most of these well-established sales-led companies, these are at least 15 years old. To create a PLG motion within these SaaS companies, they have to create this startup function within the company, which many companies claim to do, but they're not super effective at it. Whatever resources you get, you want to be judicious with them and hire more generalists in the beginning. Generalists who can do analytics, growth marketing, growth engineering. When you have such a structure in place, I have seen success. Welcome to Thrivecast. Today's topic is pretty interesting. Why is it difficult to layer PLG on top of an existing SLG? And to do justice to that topic, we have Chetan Rawal, who's had experience dealing with this particular problem at a couple of companies. He's also been advising at a few other companies as well. He's worked in the growth area for quite some time. And I'll let him introduce himself, but here's a quick bio for him. He's worked in Upwork as a growth manager. He's worked in uh, Sumo Logic as a principal growth PM. And now he's working at Security Scorecard as a principal product manager. Chetan, welcome. Hey, thank you, Gururaj. Okay, Chetan, you've worked in so many of these areas. Typically, these companies have been known in the sales-led growth areas. So could you maybe introduce your background a little bit on the work that you have done with these companies, and then we'll quickly jump into the topic. Yeah, absolutely. So my background in fact by education, I was very this analytical, mathematical impact. My original foray was into robotics, which is like very multidisciplinary. And my first company, MathWorks, was entirely this 30, 35 year old company, very well established, purely sales driven. So I know what differences there are between a sales led and a product led kind of company. So yeah, since then, as you already mentioned, worked for two, three different companies, mostly now executing product-driven strategies in my most recent years. And that's just my natural DNA, which I was executing on even at sales-led companies prior. So yeah, I have advised two, three local companies, also more offline, work with a couple of friends to help their startups kick off. Yeah, I've seen some of the spectrum, right, like both at your sales-led but uh, also pure startup which is how do you set something up from the ground up to be product-led. Maybe a segue into the topic today. Chetan, you have had experiences working with purely sales-led companies and you're attempting to go make them product-led. Could we maybe start from the top? What are the pains? Why is it uh, so damn difficult uh, to have a sales-led company, especially a successful sales-led company, start changing their growth strategy altogether? Absolutely. I think that's an easy one, right? As soon as you qualify a company to be sales-led and established, you're already talking companies and business models that date at least 15 years ago, right? So the business practices most likely are borrowed from those times where, you know, internet may not even have been a thing, but they've created SaaS businesses utilizing those same older practices. So generally, that's how I would describe to do true PLG, you need like to create a reset kind of structure. People were, in fact, discussing the move to cloud and so on. And when you talk about SaaS businesses, right, they were all built the old way, right? They were not built the modern way in some sense, especially like B2B SaaS. To create a PLG motion within these SaaS companies, almost they have to create this startup function within the company, which many companies claim to do, but they're not super effective at it for various reasons, like structural being the most underlying cause. 
And yeah, we can go into some more specifics there. Got it. So by structure, you mean the organization structure, I'm assuming. Would that be right? Yeah. If I had to quantify it, it's really, there's the company culture, right? Mm-hmm. Company culture is the hardest thing to change, right? Even when you create a startup within a large company. And by culture, I think Mark Zuckerberg would say culture is not something you shift in a day. It's actually built one day at a time with people that you've hired over time. So thinking of shifting 15 years of culture in one day, that's not happening very easily. The other is company structure, which, you know, in PLG companies, PMs are thinking about marketing, right? It's product-led growth and marketing is by in the product function. Whereas in sales-led companies, they're not taught to think about it, right? They're taught to build mm-hmm. one, not marketing. PMs don't even track user journeys in the most part, and I've seen a pattern there. So all of that is left to product marketing managers from 15 years ago, which was the model at the time, and it was a sales-led incentive structure. So the company culture, the company structure, and from there follows a shift in spend and a difficulty to hire within that environment. When I say shift in spend, it really means investing more into your product and a different kind of team a different platform even to measure your products, SaaS products versus the older ways of measuring your business. And when you're going out to hire more PLG folks, given your culture, your structure, and your spend, it's almost impossible to hire really good PLG folks. So you are normally compromising with somebody who you gel with, like, which is typically what a hiring business looks like. So combine all of those, it becomes super difficult at least from the outside, for an established company to pivot, it's almost easier for them to acquire new companies unless they're actually willing to take super huge bets, which is a separate brand, which is a PLG brand in most cases. So what you're saying, maybe I'm, I'm trying to reduce it down to you know some simple things. So if you have a sales-led company, at the top of the spectrum where the pain begins is a the company culture, the incentives, and the org structure, right? Until, unless these have been figured out, whether the leadership wants to go and add PLG laid out on top of SLG, these are the top three vectors. If they don't think about them, it's going to actually act more pain. So maybe add a little more. You mentioned about product marketing or PMM roles. Could you expand a little bit on which teams find it more difficult, especially for them to go change looks like this is a change, right? There's a change in the market. Users are expecting certain things. Uh, Customers are expecting certain things. And that has changed significantly, at least in the last maybe five, six years or so. But the way companies are being built, that hasn't changed. So maybe if you could expand a little bit of which departments find it the most difficult to change. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think the intent actually exists within these companies Partially because of competitive pressures, right? Like there are much newer startups that would come with PLG ground up and threaten the position of these very large companies. And I've actually seen that in my career. Like, uh, I was with this one large company, which saw a very small startup, about like 100 million in ARR, whereas it was 300 million in ARR. And they're like, oh, that's a third of our size. But if you compare the growth rate, the startup was an 80%, 85% growth rate, whereas our company was 20, 25% growth rate. 
So you begin to imagine, and the analysis I did there was I looked at, and it's a good way to assess companies and your competition. I looked at not just what their user flow looked like, but today you have LinkedIn. You can look at the kind of people they're hiring for, the skills they're hiring for, and the people they already have within their department. So you can pretty mm -hmm. much out the org structure. And when I analyze those, and this compares multiple companies that I did more competitive analysis on, I learned that the ones that are considered even by some of these C partners such as OpenView and all, like they produce these charts on which companies are more PLG versus not, and with a direct correlation on of PLG companies having a higher growth rate. When you compare the internal structures of those, it becomes pretty apparent that they're structurally different on various angles, almost everything, which is where I said it's almost better to create a startup rather than try to tag along PLG. So getting to specifics like monetization, traditionally monetization is a marketing function. It's not a product function. And I'll give you a very simple example, right? In sales-led companies, mostly deal sizes are upward of $20,000, $25,000 because that's the only way you can sustain a big sales growth, right? Like salespeople are expensive to hire. Whereas PLG, like your deal sizes are sub $10,000. Now, if you try to slap a PLG growth hack, right? Say, oh, we created a sales of prime. Now people will go and plug in their credit card for a $20,000 product. That's not happening because there's a lot of hurdles in that, right? Two of them are just raised within the monetization area itself. One, these people have to get budget, anything over ten to $15,000. And this is real data I've talked to, like SaaS purchases, buyers. So the sales cycle, even for a sales-driven motion, normally people will give 15 days, 30 days. That's not the time period that aligns with normal sales EOC group of concepts. So that's one. And two, people will give sales-led companies won't think about the payment options or even the business model to make offer shorter periods, maybe for $1,000, $2,000 that departments can afford without getting these big budgets. That department can even afford to pay via credit card. So that's just one aspect. To summarize multiple aspects, you have monetization, as we just discussed, pretty big hurdle. PMs, right, are focused mostly on features in sales-led because they're catering to one clients, the features that they need to win the next million dollar of business, whereas PLG is very value-oriented, right, which gives PLG the discipline to go after bigger dollars, more volume dollars versus like single deals, uh, sometimes at the expense of single deals. Yes, I'm doing the onboarding, right, so that's the third department. Most sales-driven companies will have a CSM team. Whereas like in product companies, you will have very little CSM. It's mostly product that's self doing the onboarding and the maintenance of relationship by itself. Quickly going over design, right? Do you have designers or you have UX people, right? Especially product driven UX thinking. That actually comes from RevOps versus product data ops. Most sales companies have RevOps companies. They don't even understand what good data ops mean from a product, from a user behavioral perspective. And a couple of last ones, which are like engineering, you wouldn't imagine, right? You normally have seen people don't consider product-driven, product-led, growth-driven engineers to be thinking differently from sales-driven engineering. A classic example is I've been interviewing, for example, for my team more recently. Most engineers I get, I ask them the question, what's different about growth engineering versus regular 
engineering? Most don't have an answer. And you can ask these to sales-driven companies as well, right? Like, uh, how are they assembling their teams? They don't have a very good answer. They'll just bring up some engineers from another team, but the DNA is different. For example, do these engineers understand, right, how to feature flag things so that they are able to control some experiences in the PLG? They don't even understand the difference between bad and good tech debt in most cases. All tech debt is not bad tech debt in PLG, especially in the interest of moving fast. I had a, a growth partner, like an engineer, who was super good. Uh, he taught me all of these skills, right? In fact, he would hire from the outside in many cases because internal engineering was just not used to that kind of pace. Even using no-code solutions for that matter, right? Most engineers won't do that. And of course, sales can cause a lot of hurdles. Sales is basically one of the biggest ones that you see. And again, a couple of examples there. The biggest one is sales would have structured certain deals a certain way. You try to upsell to those same companies, maybe create a sales value, upsell the same companies, and sales will slap your hand, right? So that continues to, and there's the classic sales feeling threatened by PLG. So to summarize, there's monetization, PM, CSM, designer, web ops, engineering, sales, like all of these basically. And then you, you layer on top, how do platforms like more PLG-oriented analytics platforms or PLG-oriented sales platforms, and how do you bring them on? How do you onboard all of these departments when they have no orientation to PLG at all? This is a very revealing or very surprising revelation, Chetan. What you're saying is that if your DNA is sales-led and you have a successful company, at least in terms of the large deal sizes and the DNA is all completely sales-led, in that case, practically every single department within your company is getting affected. And the solution to that is create a new startup, right? And not necessarily try to upskill the existing sales-led, but go bottom-up and build a new startup within your own company and make that as product-led. Is that what I'm hearing, what you're saying? I think that's the easiest, right? There's nothing impossible if you have aggressive co-founders. In fact, you know, like I'm working with Security Scorecard right now. They have very aggressive co-founders. It's been traditionally sales-led and product-led thinking is doing wonders at the company. But yeah, to call you out, bigger sales-driven companies, probably four or five times the size of Security Scorecard for that matter. I can imagine the challenges being four to five times bigger, right? Yeah, I do think for a scale like Adobe, for example, that's a classic example of a recent sales-driven company trying to go product-driven by actually creating a subscription model. And in fact, you should see how their sales shot up, how their stock shot up after being subscription-based, which was mm-hmm. a mostly product-driven strategy. And yet they had to purchase Figma at the end, right? Because Figma was uh, PLG from the ground up. That's very interesting, meaning you have to build a new DNA for product-led and the existing DNA may not necessarily gel with or apply with the product-led, meaning these are, although the market says this is a continuum, PLG and SLG is a continuum. What you're saying is from your own experiences, trying to have the sales-led team build a new DNA towards product-led is actually a lot more difficult. It might be better for the company to go ahead and build a new, at least have an organization bind and start building a newer, smaller startup within the larger company, which becomes more product-led. If that's what you're saying, maybe let's start with 
if somebody has to think about something like this, what might be a checklist of things that these SLG companies need to start doing from the very top? How should they start thinking about PLG? What's a checklist that you would say? Yeah, absolutely. I think organizational buy-in, especially peripherally, already exists. If the organization doesn't want to go PLG, they won't be having these conversations at all. So if these companies are truly serious about going PLG, I think the thing they have to realize is that it requires a serious shift in investment and they can expect serious disruptions within the existing business. Most companies, what they'll do is hire a PLG leader give them engineers from within the team because that's the easiest way to spin up a company. Give them a designer and that's it, right? Not think about any of these other functions, especially mm-hmm. analytics. In my view, and Elena recently actually, you know, like she's been putting out a couple, Elena work, like a well-known figure in PLG, she's been putting out a couple of articles around red flags to look out for and not join those companies, which is one of the original points I made. It is going to be very difficult to hire a PLG leader who is going to help you get to that level. So I think you position yourself as being a company that's ready for PLG. You already have the organizational at least acknowledgement or some competitive pressure that's forcing you to do that. Now to seriously do it, you do have to think about a startup within the company and that doesn't have to be a separate brand but a startup does need funding it does need like a full team and when you say startup it's truly a startup which means you have to think as if you don't have the resources in-house at all so whoever leader you bring in let them make the choices down to which engineers they bring in which tools they actually want to set up with and that it has its own uphill battles because you're still trying to plug in the PLG motion within your existing motion. Uh, The good thing is most companies like these, they already have product market fit. And the next investment, once you have that kind of buy-in, I do think the initial budget has to go into some of the analytics and analytical hiring. So generally, when I would think of a startup, the hiring also, as I described, you want to hire more generalists in the beginning of a startup journey. So Chances are very little that you'll have like five, six, seven, mm-hmm. or ten people budget right in the very beginning. So whatever resources you get, you want to be judicious with them and hire more generalists in the beginning. Generalists who can do analytics, growth marketing, growth engineering, kind of a jack of all trades. And as the as that PLG function grows, you then start going more vertical. So yeah, treat it like a startup. Invest in behavioral analytics. And then once you have those, and if you have a good product-led thinker, a good product person within the company, I think then it's just modern product practices, which may not exist in the company, which is looking at brainstorming all of the ideas. Typical ones around like monetization normally happens to be the lowest hanging fruit because you already have product market fit. You just have to shift your monetization model as we described. You have to allow the person to actually shift that you know, monetization model. But it does go into, is the bottleneck really monetization? Is the bottleneck activation, retention in most cases, acquisition? And if solve for all of these, then you can think about viral loops. Do viral loops even make sense? Well, do you have enough retention to cause those viral loops? Does your product lend itself 
through product-driven activation and monetization to then feed those engines with the more virality. But yeah, most important, I think, what you don't want to forget, especially in sales-driven organizations, is that this is going to be product-led sales. So don't try to undercut other departments and especially sales, because sales can be your best friends if you can give them better leads. So think of it, think of like the overall journey from product to bigger sales. Yeah, I think when you have such a structure in place, then I have seen success. This was both at the Upwork where I worked, right? Upwork had this, but they were not very conscious on product-led growth in particular. And the way we were able to spin the team up was being very conscious in our hiring. In fact, we hired very yeah. generalists in the beginning uh, for good reason. We started with a team of three. And eventually, the whole company's DNA started thinking about product-led practices. Oh, that's beautiful, Chetan. Could you maybe tell some stories around if you've seen any successful companies who are sales-led and they're adding product-led to the mix, they're layering product-led as part of that. And I, I know you've been advising to a couple of companies as well. You've gone through that, this particular pain yourself through the employment or aspects that you already have. Uh, could you maybe share some insights on that? Yeah, absolutely. First thing to realize is ESG doesn't have to be zero or one. In fact, this is one of the conversations I was recently having with my own bosses, right? He was like, oh, this PLG isn't good for this company. But he was thinking all end-to-end PLG, right? Like pure PLG, which is in a product-driven acquisition, product-driven activation, all the way down to product-driven sales. So it's not a zero or one situation, right? Many companies that I have seen examples of normally fall somewhere within the spectrum. Of course, the more product-driven you can get, like the more benefits you can reap. But it's not necessarily true for all companies either. Some examples, I already brought up Adobe. That's a classic example that I have been following for a while, especially given the threats from Figma that it faced and eventually had to give in on those competitive pressures. Microsoft, I look at it as a traditionally sales-led company. They're doing the same thing, right? Trying to acquire more of these branding viral loop companies, which is open AI. If you think about AI in general, that has existed as a field for quite a long time. But it wasn't until open AI came up and said, hey, AI can do so much more. It's not that those models didn't exist, right? Just that open AI knew how to brand it well. So this is one of those examples where you know like now Microsoft is trying to get into this product-led thinking, but they've also shifted their business models quite a bit to be more aligned, although I still consider them mostly sales-led, which is where I talk about the spectrum. Spectrum, yeah. Yeah. Security scorecard company where I work at, that's, I think we've been pretty successful at product-led, like a sizable chunk of our revenue actually comes from product-driven strategies. And in fact, I've been talking to some of my VPs internally and they're like, oh, is this product driven or is this sales driven? It's a blend, right? That's good product driven strategies that go into product led sales looks like, right? How you actually attribute the revenue model and how do you actually attribute user journeys? That's for you to decide. Overall, the company is going to benefit from a truly hybrid approach like that. And HubSpot comes to mind recently, they've been putting out, I've been hearing some podcasts around HubSpot's PLG journey, but my original days, especially taking Reforge classes, they were talking mostly at HubSpot as being company-generated content and then user-disseminated content. 
So mm-hmm. it has this like growth programs, but HubSpot itself is more sales led. And uh, in one of these podcasts and articles I've been reading, right, they talk about exactly the same thing, which is spinning off a separate product driven company within the company. And when I say company, it could mean you know, like a small team, a squad, but then give them the powers to actually experiment and give them the freedom, take the risk, essentially. It's a very big risk. But there's a bigger risk if you don't do it and a competitor comes and becomes bigger than you. This is very interesting. So I think you you, you mentioned about four or five companies, Adobe, Microsoft with OpenAI, Security Scorecard, your company itself, uh, HubSpot, and especially Adobe with Figma acquisition. Those are some really good examples in SLG plus PLG motions. But have you seen any fails, any failures in companies who have been SLG but actually failed to add PLG? So I have heard a couple, I don't recall the names on top of my mind, but I do know when I was interviewing for these PLG roles over the last five, six years, I have heard teams call out that there was this PLG leader who was trying to create PLG within the company. They were actually fudging numbers perhaps. Uh, I don't know the exacts within the company, but that was clearly a failure to me when the leaders decided to lay off the entire PLG team. Yeah, but that's an artifact of when I say it's hard to even hire the right PLG folks who will want to be with you on that journey. So you have to give them that confidence. But yeah, I do think also one of the recent companies that I work with, Sumo Logic, I, they, they underwent an acquisition, so they did hire like really good product-led growth leaders within the company who left the company pretty soon. And eventually the company got acquired by private equity. But that's also an example where I thought, think the company did try to go PLG, but did not have the right structure or the mindset in place to actually make it happen. Thank you so much, Chetan. It was a really a pleasure to listen in to some of these Amazing revelations. Appreciate for sharing this information to all the listeners who will continue to support us along through the journey. And Chetan, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Do provide your feedback, but also do suggest us any new guests that you would like to bring us to the recording. And we'll continue to have more demos and more guests over. So thank you so much.